0: If there's any kind of magic in this world, it must be in the attempt of understanding someone, sharing something. <laughs> I know it's almost impossible to succeed, but who cares? Really, the answer must be in the attempt. What are you reading? What
1: are you? <laughs> uh, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be Julie Delpy i'm julie Sorry. delpy in this
0: you're julie delpy which means you're obsessed with death and you have a cute french accent that's not french i don't know what that is but that's not french Is 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 i mean is yeah it's fine <laughs> it's fine don't, don't worry but <laughs> i'm like kind of i'm kind of bjork but yeah. also mixed with julie delpy
1: that would have made this movie better if it was bjork instead of julie delpy just kidding this is a good movie we can jump right in. Did you like
0: the movie? It's a yeah. good movie. All right. Here we are in our podcast. Let's, let's do some context because this is the first time that we're recording during quarantine, uh, right?
1: Yeah, this is a quarantine-filled um, uh, fun land. So what do you want to know? How's
0: <laughs> the baby life? And we, I want to know how your baby life's going.
1: I got a baby. <laughs> I've got a one-month-old. He doesn't like to sleep when he's supposed to. But um, that's how it's so supposed
0: for, to go. I think for our listeners out there, um, if anybody's listening, um, most of what you've heard uh, so far was recorded months and months and months ago. And now I'm married, Ryan has a kid, and uh, COVID nineteen is plaguing the world. And so uh, we're this is the first time we're not recording yeah. with each other. And uh, mark the date March
1: thirtieth. Who knows what will come? We'll probably listen to this months later and just kind of uh, smile, hopefully at where things turn hopefully it'll get better um it will get better but we'll see how long it takes
0: um will it get better just like jesse and Celine's day did after they met each other
1: it will it will be just like that it'll be a worldwide
0: that was a professional grade segue yeah
1: (laughs) speaking of transitions uh so you have you seen the sequels to this no i haven't have you so I think that's, we're in a good position where we can't really speak um, like the long form of like where things will go for Jesse because there are two more movies and maybe a third one will go into mm-hmm. production, um, but we can only speak to, yeah. yeah, there will only be, we can only speak to this one, which I think is the best place to be. And as um, our episodes grow, we'll, we'll tackle the sequels and we'll kind of like cover differences and changes um, in real time.
0: So let's just talk about how this movie starts off, which is, uh, in the credits, it's like Ethan Hawke, Julie Delphi. And I was expecting the Godfather because the music was so, it wasn't as pastoral as the scenery. Like it, it had some nice violins and it was like, well, you know what the music was, right? Seemed serious. You know what it was? No,
1: it was Viennese music. No, I didn't. It was like, um, Mozart. I don't. I don't know if, what it specifically was, but it was definitely like the Vienna sound. And that's where they went. Mm. Very
0: Austrian. Um, very Austrian, yeah. very serious. Um, but I, I think that was one of the things that I liked about the opening because at first uh, I hadn't seen this movie in years and I was like, I don't remember it being this serious. But in watching the movie, it it really tells you, hey, I want you to take this seriously. Like it might seem like a college screenplay fever dream but take take this movie and these two people and their journey seriously mm-hmm. uh, because we are yeah mm-hmm.
1: um yeah i think it was uh i think it's bach that we hear at the beginning of the movie <laughs> i don't
0: know okay but that's the Viennese. i hope so that would make sense wouldn't it <laughs> sure yeah it would make sense okay um I, more than any other movie we've watched so far, I took a bunch of notes for this one because there, there aren't like a lot of, um, tent poles in this movie to be like, oh, remember this scene and this scene and this scene. It's just one long continuous conversation.
1: Yeah. It's very taxing. Like not bad, but it's no, it's, it takes a lot of your, um, patience and endurance as a viewer to watch this movie. Can, like this is probably the most. This is definitely the most trying film we've reviewed so far, and it probably will be the most trying film we will watch for this podcast. Unless we jump into so? unless we jump into some dark romance films, um, then this will probably be the most uh, like a
0: Blue Valentine. Yeah,
1: I don't want to get into that. Um, maybe we will, <laughs> but I think this will be the most taxing just because there's so much dialogue that your brain has to process.
0: Yeah, but. But it, it's for me. It's never in a way where I I'm watching a movie and I need to check out in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I like it sucks me in and it holds me there. I'm I'm interested in where it's going next, and I never want to look away or stop. Yeah, listening.
1: and it's merciful. It's not it's not 100% dialogue. There's lots of um, breaks and scenes where they're not chattering away at each other, and there's other like interactions they have where. You know, there's probably three or four like supporting characters that kind of uh, are littered throughout their their 24 hours together. Um, so it's it's not it's not a straight shot. Um, so
0: I I'd love to do a new segment where Ryan tells us what the story is. Why
1: do I have to do it?
0: Just break it break it down so that when we go through it, we. Uh we we have it in the back of our minds well
1: i think this is actually the simplest premise too of all the movies that we've done yep. so far um a young man from america is on um some kind of trip in europe and he's on a train and he runs into a beautiful french uh college student. Uh, they hit it off and he convinces her to spend the next 24 hours with him because um, they have a connection and it would be foolish of them not to follow through and see what they can uh, develop in that time, even though they have no way of knowing that they could possibly have longer than that 24 hours together. How'd I do? Is that right?
0: That that was great. Um, the one thing I would say is that um, Ethan Hawke is also yeah. beautiful. As uh, you kind of uh, in listening to you talk about the story, it kind of seemed like Ethan Hawke was the main character, but this is definitely a a movie about these two people. I think more than any other movie we've seen so far, it's probably the most um, even handed when it comes to whose story this is.
1: I don't know. What do you think?
0: I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get into that. I would
1: say Because we should also acknowledge that this is a Richard Linklater film, and that this that you know Richard Linklater is an auteur, that he was the director of movies like Slacker and Boyhood, that Mm -hmm. he has a very definitive vision as a filmmaker, and I think the fact that it's an American dude making this movie, you need someone like Julie Delpy to be a part of um, the collaboration, but I still think it's very much. richard linklater's movie and i see it as kind of 60 40 split in terms of perspective well
0: well it, it's interesting that you say that because i i looked up a lot of how this film was written um besides linklater you also had kim um kim Krasan. oh yeah is her name i saw that in the credits um, like oh and,
1: there was there was a co-writer who was that
0: and uh Uh, Well, she's actually, um, she's an actress, um, and these movies are the only movies she's written. She wrote the screenplay and co-wrote the story um, with Linklater. And then on the second movie, she helped write the story, but not the screenplay. And then in the third movie, she didn't have anything to do with the writing. It's just the characters we're based on. But the actual story itself is based off of an interaction that Linklater had with somebody in D.C. in 1989. And so it kind of is his story. But as far as writing the story goes, he said that it was the most um, um, non-binary film that he wrote because he said that um, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke both wrote a lot of each other's own lines. And the only reason they're not credited is because... Yeah. Um, And so he was saying that it's like I'd say a lot of his movies are um, much more on on the masculine side of things, um, at least from the point of view storytelling wise. But I think this one, at least uh, the attempts for these are to be. very Yeah.
1: And it's weird. I think I'm really curious of like percentage wise how much dialogue um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy actually did, because it feels completely improvised
0: yeah a lot of the um lines seem improvised but uh actually uh link later said that there were very very few scenes that, at all that were improvised and the ones that were improvised were just stuff like how is he going to get her off the train mm-hmm. and they they were they weren't um fully improv they were like thought of on the day and then they kind of went over them again and again and again but he said um that they very meticulously stuck to the script that they wrote Um, but you're right. It is. And he said, it's become kind of a joke because the acting in this movie and the dialogue feels so natural and it's a credit to the script and the performance that the, and the amount of work that they must've gone through director to actor, just to make it feel like these two people actually had, Yeah, I'd say
1: this movie has the most brilliant chemistry we've seen by,
0: by far, Oh yeah like like even though they don't spoiler alert uh, end up together at the end of this movie um of all the characters we've seen so far except maybe Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts they they kind of have a similar chemistry together. Well, they, Roman Holiday characters they don't get together
1: in Roman Holiday.
0: Yeah. Do do you see Holiday. do you see Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck like stay, staying together afterwards though if they if if circumstances allowed?
1: Anything can happen.
0: In Holiday. Hall- <laughs> <laughs> it Man can Hollywood. happen. They should. Anything can Roman happen in Holiday Europe, too. apparently. Yeah. Honestly, this kind of felt like Roman Holiday in a way, didn't it? it really did. Um, and that's there's
1: some kind of cheating going on in this movie because it's de facto romantic because of its location, and it's de facto romantic because of its situation of like young people, especially a young American coming to Europe and meeting a French woman, and like that's the romantic dream. Everyone has that dream. That is what we all want.
0: They hang a lampshade on that, for sure. Like, right before they're about to sleep together, sure. she's like... No, then it's like some male fantasy. Meet a French girl on a train, fuck her, and never <laughs> see her again. And have this great right, story right, to tell. I don't want right, to be a great story. Right. I don't want this great evening to just have been for that. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: We don't have to have sex. It's not a big deal. But it's like, he, he denies it, but
0: the movie is also like,
1: well, kind of, that's
0: kind of what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, but like I I'd say there there's the, the one reason why I can I can really get on board with this storyline that feels old and tired from the outside is that these two people are people mm-hmm. in in a way that like these aren't these aren't characters crafted out of Hollywood stone. Like Ethan Hawk, uh Jesse, um is kind of I mean he's He's really cool, but he's extremely cynical. Yeah. In kind of a James Dean esque way, where he's just like, "That's being generous." Don't, don't you know that that's just a fake? That's generous. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 su Well, he's wearing a he's wearing a leather coat the whole time, and he's just like, uh, "I mean, any everybody's trying to scam you." And he's cynical. Why?
1: Uh, cause he's a Gen X kid,
0: and he sucks. No, yeah, I mean, he's prototypical Gen X. Um. Well, he doesn't completely suck. He's just had his heart broken. I guess so. I I I feel like that um, that makes him probably more cynical than he might be otherwise. Not that he isn't already that way, probably. But
1: well, here's the thing. um, I like that. That's his flaw. I like that's his character flaw because we're not watching mm -hmm. like um, invincibly perfect people. We're watching very flawed people. And his flaw is that he's really cynical and really jaded. Um, And her flaw is, I guess, kind of naive, kind of pie in the sky
0: perspective. mm -hmm. No, no way. I I would say, well, okay. Um why 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 would you say that? Cuz I I have a different flaw for her. Well, it's it's it
1: depends on who you are cuz like for her, he's really jaded, but for other people he would be just the right kind of like attitude. But for him, she's kind of naive, but for other people she wouldn't be naive.
0: Ah, so you're saying Like, not an objective flaw, but for each other in staying together in kind of a relationship. Like, what would get on each other's nerves. Exactly. This movie shows, if they stayed
1: together, this is what the chief qualities that would drive them apart. If they, like, try to make a long-term relationship happen. She would get tired of his um, jaded, like, attitudes. Because it would always ruin moments for them. And he would get tired of her not kind of, like, being more like have an alacrity for things and just like, Oh, you got ripped off. Like all these things that really bugs him.
0: Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say a flaw, but, uh, definitely a, a characteristic of hers that would make her, it's something that she seems to struggle with in life is, um, her obsession with death. Yeah. Um, it's kind of because a French I, at the thing beginning too.
1: Like I see it as a Gen X American person versus a Gen X French kind of attitude like just being obsessed with death and i feel like that's kind of a french cliche too sorry french people i don't know if i'm putting you in a box
0: <laughs> i've never heard that cliche but sure um the well but uh, when it comes to death though he's the one who has a much more um, idealistic outlook whereas she has kind of a um a very dark look at death uh, a very a very french i i mean, Like a a stare out the window, like ponder at death. Whereas his is just like, you know what? I saw my grandma as a ghost through a a mist when I was a kid and it was kind of beautiful. And it's very American versus French. Oh,
1: and that story is such a line too. Like, it's like that friends episode where um, Joey teaches Ross how to like pick up a woman. And it's like that story about like Tibidabo. It's like...
0: I swear any woman that
1: hears it, they're like putty. I think he was being genuine, but it does work as the perfect pickup line of like, if you meet an interesting girl, tell her about the story of when you were four and you were playing with the hose. That'll totally get her. Because it got <laughs> Maybe, me. Because but- when I was watching, it was like, oh, oh, I like you. I want to spend more time with you.
0: Yeah, and um, from that very first moment when he's telling like right before he's telling her that story he's really nervous right yeah and she's the one who is like oh yeah you know um i just i go to school at the sorbonne no big deal um and uh you're 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 american i can't speak any other language typical Mm -hmm. and like he's really flat-footed um and he kind of just has that affable charm that allows you to be like yeah you know what you you aren't as "Quote unquote intelligent, but there's something about you that is super attractive. And mm-hmm. what is that? What is it about Ethan Ethan Hawke's character? Um, well, at first he there is some kind of
1: confidence behind everything mm.
0: that because he's the one that starts talking to her at first. Yeah,
1: and I I wanted to uh, I should have seen this movie when I was 16 because I could just have taken my notes from him. Just on the train, like not his jadedness. I don't want, I didn't want, I shouldn't have taken any of his jadedness or anything cynical from him. But if I could have, you did. Well, but if I could have been taught <laughs> the like air of confidence and being cool and not being a wreck when you're talking to a woman, because like he's a little awkward, but he's still being Ethan Hawk, where he's like, he still sticks the landing in terms of like, he got her off the train, you know, and they had a great uh. day together. So, and I think it's because of his confidence. I would say that's the chief characteristic that got it.
0: So this movie starts off when they're on the train, right? And before they get off the train, the reason why they end up sitting together is because there's this German couple. Um Alkohol verfallen ist, dann bist du, schau dich in den Spiegel. Schaust du dich mal in meinen Spiegel? And we don't get any subtitles for that. It's just a it's just like this it's that couple that you're on the bus you're out in public you're on a train and you're just like i can't read i can't think you guys are arguing do you want to know what they're arguing about what are they arguing about (laughs) apparently he reads in the um in the paper that there's seventy five thousand um alcoholics uh or female alcoholics in germany um at the moment and uh, he's like you know what i think you are one (laughs) And they start arguing right. about uh, w- whether she's an alcoholic or not. So why didn't um, they subtitle it? At least it? that's what I gathered. Why didn't we get any subtitles? Um, well, because I think neither of them understand German. Oh. Um, and and we're supposed to be kind of in their world. And I like that. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if it was just my copy or my settings because I kept trying to turn on the subtitles. And I was like, oh, no, not not getting any of it. Yeah. Um, the book that Celine is reading on the train is um, Madame Eduarda le Mort. Um Yeah, and Jesse's like, "Oh, of course, uh, it's, it's he's le Mort like, by Madame."
1: Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I know that book." It's like you're full of it. You don't know what that book is.
0: Yeah, nobody knows that book, but it's the Dead Man um, mm. in French, and so it's another one of her. And and Jesse's reading a book. I had to pause it, and it's all all I need is love by Klaus um, Kinski. By, uh, by, yep, which is mm-hmm. um, also
1: a bizarre choice.
0: Well, it it's it's very much like the fact that they don't like really point out what they're. I mean, they do in the, in the script, but you can't really see unless you look hard enough. Mm-hmm. It's like he's dealing with a breakup right now, and so it's like, you know, it makes sense that he's reading a, a book about all I need is love. Okay,
1: let's get into this. You seem to be very forgiving of his attitude because it's post breakup.
0: No, I, I I don't I don't like his attitude at all. It's just understandable for. A, how old would you say he is? Like 23? twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that he's like either mid East Coast or like kind of a Midwest kid. Like not not West Coast. He he seems very like you know he's wearing a leather jacket. He like within a a couple days um, had a breakup from when he was supposed to be in Europe for three weeks and just like is bitter and doesn't want people to take advantage of him. And so he doesn't mm-hmm. want anybody to take advantage of this person. I, I don't like it. It really annoyed me. I was like, don't be an asshole. Um, Like for right. instance, there's, there's a scene when they're at the restaurant and the gypsy comes and reads her hand um, or reads her palm. And he's just like, you, you know, that's not real, right? You just wasted your money. Yeah. And it's like, dude, shut up. Like, this is a romantic yeah. moment. Like even, even if she is faking, like, you're you're doing nothing but trying to, like, break somebody's happiness for your own selfish reasons. Yeah, because I think I would that
1: still. Go ahead.
0: I, I just think that naivete is attractive to him, and I. But I think he's bitter about the fact that he can't be that way.
1: I would call that mostly generational. So you would call it post breakup attitude. Um, I I think it's
0: a little bit of both.
1: I think it's very much like he's being a Gen X kid because I, I know some other Gen X people who have the exact same attitude now about everything, all things. They just have this kind of like cynical jadedness about it because of that. I'm not going to paint just, an entire
0: generation. generation with that brush, though. Of course, Gen I am. I would say lots of Gen Xers I know would um, hold up their flag of jadedness as, as high as they could, but not all of them. No, not all. Of course, not all. But I just think
1: that's kind of the, like, 90s-ness of this movie. Sure. And especially, like, an Ethan Hawke, who was also in a movie like Reality Bites, which is also, like, a, like, um, postcard of a certain generation. And they're trying to, like, show, like, this is what life is like for us at this given time. Um, Which is just like his TV show. Which and reality bites
0: no the tv show that he wants to do the 365 days on like public access uh jesse wants to do this crazy tv show where a different person submits like a vhs of their daily life inside their apartment um and you just play it for 24 hours every single day for a year and like right now that seems like an idea somebody would have (laughs) yeah with all that's why i think
1: yeah that's why i think so much of this is um a uh ethan hawk is just richard linklater's proxy that he's because that's such a richard linklater idea i don't th- that like i was just like oh that's a movie richard linklater will try and make someday because he kind of did it with slacker have you seen slacker yeah yeah so slacker just shifts from one perspective to the to next another, and on to and another and on yeah and on yeah. and on and on um, and boyhood is this as continuous document of a person growing up as it can be and so it would naturally follow that Richard Linklater would want to make something like this so I didn't see it as that kind of like broke the film for me a little bit like I, it was like this is an auteurs idea this is like that's actually kind of a good idea from an experimental film point of view and maybe maybe he's maybe Jesse is supposed to be some kind of film student because he's reading a Klaus Kinski book, so maybe that's what's going on.
0: Well, he, yeah, he's he's doing that, and then he's also um, got um, he's got a bit of poetry under his belt. Like he's memorized some poetry, as we see at the end of the movie. And so I think he's got a romantic heart that is, I mean, broken by maybe his generation, like the yeah. generation that he's in. Um, but let's. Um, Let's talk a little bit about... Because there's there's a lot to get into in this movie. Um, and you you were talking about him being a bit jaded. And you're saying that that kind of breaks the movie for you a little bit. Just because it feels m- much more like it's Richard Linklater being himself inside this movie.
1: I don't think the attitude is Richard Linklater. I think the idea is a Richard Linklater. Okay. So I don't know if Richard Linklater is that cynical. Um, but I definitely think a lot of the because um, I would say this movie is just rife with Socratic dialogue. Oh, yeah. Where we're just getting philosophy through this A-B conversation. And it's enlightening, but but in an admitted way that it's pseudo-intellectual, that they're not actually making a difference for our overall intellect. We're getting a glimpse into the psyches of these people. We're getting how they think. We're not getting how, like, society thinks.
0: Sure. Um, but I, I guess I would I would much rather get how these couple of people think in a movie than how society thinks, um, mm-hmm. especially in a romantic film. Like, and you're right. They are very admittedly um, pseudo, um, pseudo scientific, pseudo psychological. They're, they're pseudo everything in their conversation because they're a couple of 23 year olds. Um, and admittedly. So if, if you, if you watched this movie, when, when did you first watch this movie? With you. I know, but how old were we like 24, 23.
1: Um, I think, I guess so, because we watched it in our apartment before, before I married Sarah. So
0: somewhere so, around there,
1: at least six or seven years ago. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So we were kind of the, we were kind of them. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um, do you like this movie or does, does their dialogue about like their quote unquote, perspectives and their differing perspectives on life um great on you now that you're a little bit older a little bit more um a little bit less apt to run into that conversation with somebody
1: it makes me nostalgic for the conversations you would have in college which this is this is all college conversations Mm -hmm. um that helped you figure yourself out and there's like they're not they're not making breakthroughs for the world. They're making breakthroughs for themselves. That yeah. they're self-actualizing and figures figuring stuff out.
0: Which is what makes this movie so romantic to me. Um, it I I haven't had one of those conversations. Um, like I'm I'm thinking back to when Robin and I met and we had a lot of those kinds of conversations. But you you know when when Celine and Jesse uh, at the beginning of the movie when they're on the train. Each one of them can't wait to say their piece, where one of them's like, you know what, kids are like this. And the other one's like, well, when I was a kid, this is like this. And then the other one continues, well, kids are actually like this. And they have kind of a broken conversation where each one of them is really wanting to express who they are. And then as the movie goes on, they keep um, like their their conversation becomes much more a dialogue than a couple of monologues thrown at the other character. Um, right. which which is, is two people getting to know each other. Um, and I thought that was written really smartly, but it was really reminding me of falling in love with someone like not only the college aspect, because yeah, they're being philosophical at every, (laughs) every turn in the road that they're on. But, um, it, it also just reminds me of getting to know somebody and allowing, allowing yourself to be completely who you are without, um, without feeling like you have to stick to that. Um, Mm -hmm. because there's something about being in a relationship for a while or being like in your thirties where you're like, I've kind of figured things out. Um, I don't need to ask a bunch of questions and it was nostalgic and kind of refreshing. And it made me want to revisit some of my own philosophies in a way, even if what they're talking about is silly half the time.
1: Yeah. Um, did you find yourself laughing out loud a lot to this movie? no did you find yourself grinning at this movie because yeah. let me tell you yeah i, was I grinned a lot a lot
0: i grinned most of uh, the movie
1: yeah there were so many like um snippets of dialogue where i would just kind of like smile at like this flourish of just like flirtiness that like she would say something witty and i'd be like ah good one <laughs> nice um did it feel a little bit like a competition at first of what they were talking about.
0: Well, like let's say when they're like that five-minute sequence where it's just one shot on on the streetcar after they get off the train, yeah. um, and they're they're asking each other questions, but you have to tell the truth, right? And she's yeah. like, "Well, of course." And um, and he's like, "Yeah, okay. if that was
1: a competition. She won."
0: Yeah. Uh, well, that the, at the, kind of, but at the end of the um, at the end of the scene, he's like. What if I had asked you uh, whether, like, or had you ever been in love? She's like, I mean, what if I asked you about love? <laughs> I would have lied, but at least yeah, you know, right. I would have made would up have have a great story. <laughs> okay, I mean, I great. Don't know. I mean, love is a complex issue, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like which, that, which was honest. Of yeah. Right to say. Uh huh. I mean, it was um, it was really fun watching the two of them flirt, and it was. Like, uh, there are a lot of moments of silence in this movie, where, like, when they're in the record store, I guess it's not silent, you're hearing the music, but there's this Kath Bloom song playing in the little record booth that they go into, and they just kind of do that, like, should I hold your hand, should I kiss you, should I not kiss you moment? Yeah. And it's it's just gotten so, so right. Like, this movie isn't fluffy like a lot of the movies that we've watched so far, but... It exists on a plane of, with, with all its talk of philosophy, it exists on a plane of like giddiness a little bit.
1: So let me ask you this. Um, if, you're, if you're in um, Jesse's shoes and you're given the same setup, do you follow through in the same way?
0: At the end of the movie? No, at
1: the beginning of the movie that you see this um, woman sit across the aisle from you, you strike up a conversation. Do you follow through and invite her to spend the day with you? Do you have the guts? Would you do it
0: when I was twenty-three? Yeah, it would have been these days. Yes, um, when I was twenty-three, it would have been a 50-50 chance. Oh, um, uh, really? Yeah, I would have given you. Tw- I would have given you
1: hundred percent odds when you were twenty-three, and fifty-fifty odds if you were doing it now.
0: Zero odds if you're married to Robin. Well, no, obviously, but um, <laughs> um, I think, I think. The confidence that I have now far outweighs the chance takingness that I had in my early twenties. Yeah, like,
1: but you were more whim—not whimsical, but you did things more on a whim. I don't know. Maybe you do things more on a whim now.
0: No, you know, so. no. I mean, I don't like if I was traveling by myself and single now. Um, would I strike up a conversation with a random person on a train in Europe? Sure. And uh, that I was like, that was reading a book. And yeah,
1: yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, um, but would you go all the way and say, hey, come spend the day with me in Vienna? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's a maybe for you, me. Oh, uh, see, so I would have given you a 100% yes.
0: No, that's a maybe. Um, okay, do me, do me, do me, do me. Now, I know your answer, but hey, Ryan, would you have asked um, a random person on a train to come hang out with you for a day in a foreign city? No! <laughs> why not
1: <laughs> are you kidding didn't have one iota of nerves couldn't do uh, it
0: yeah but you could have had a lot of those conversations
1: i could have and you, I did. you had
0: you which, did you did that all the time in college
1: yeah i just wouldn't have the guts to do it in such a circumstance as this movie which is why it's kind of why, a special movie
0: why is that is it um because I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you, but I want to s- kind of like reverse psychoanalyze um, Jesse's character through why wouldn't somebody ask somebody to come spend the day with them?
1: Uh, I think it's because it's
0: a movie. No, no, no. Like, I why? Think this why is... wouldn't? Why wouldn't you? In real life?
1: Uh why wouldn't? That, that's the thing. I think it's a very personal question. I think I have my reasons why I wouldn't, and I think you have your reasons why you wouldn't, right?
0: Well, I I think, well, no, let's just, I want to get into the the situation because if I was 50-50 back when I was 23, the reasons why I wouldn't is because I would be afraid that I wouldn't have enough to say. I would be afraid that I would start hating this person actually like 10 steps off the train. Um, And I like that somebody made a stupid decision just because they were interested in me and that was going to be my fault for inviting them. Like there's a whole bunch of like what ifs that go off from that moment. And the fact that I think this this movie acknowledged
1: those anxieties, right?
0: It definitely does. Yeah. Like um, as soon as they're off the train and when they start walking across the bridge, they're like, this is awkward. I don't know what to do, but they kind of just push through. And every time there comes a moment of, conflict between them they figure out how to deal with it not in a serious way but they just talk about it
1: yeah but i i don't see any version of me doing what jesse does not any Mm -hmm. version i'm about a
0: fifth i'm about a 50 percenter on that one um if it was the right person the right situation the right time in my life for sure i would i would make that leap i do think a better question Best, better question. I, I think we need to flip this around. If you're in um, uh, Celine's position, do you say yes?
1: Of course. <laughs> See, <laughs> like I feel like
0: yeah. So so but it's right, all about isn't that taking. Way less scary. Well, yeah, because someone asks you he, that? he goes he goes ninety percent, and she goes the other ten. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that happens. Um, not on their first kiss, because on their first kiss, she goes ninety percent. And then he goes the other 10.
1: Yeah.
0: Notice that maybe because she has the confidence now uh, that he's like um, made himself vulnerable. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I would say a hundred percent. Yes. I would, I would take that deal. (laughs) Door number one. Yeah. Are you saying a hundred percent? Yes. Oh yeah, I would for sure. If, if I didn't, if, if all I had the next day was to go to brunch in Paris where I lived but somebody else was like, "Hey, come spend a day in Vienna with me." And they were super attractive and interesting to talk to. Yes, any, yeah, no question.
1: Yeah, because the correlation is, if we were um, in Seattle, uh, if you if you were on a train in Seattle, you were on the train home to Portland. You meet someone, and they have to stop off. This is not a romantic city. It kind of is, but if you had to stop eh. off in Tacoma,
0: in Tacoma, oh, and like Tacoma is. <laughs> Much Probably. worse. No, Tacoma, well, Tacoma's got <laughs> Let's a Let's say charm. Olympia. Olympia no, actually has like a little charm.
1: There's not as much to do in Olympia. There's way more to do in Tacoma. I think Tacoma's a bigger city. Anyways, okay, my <laughs> point is, my point is the Pacific Northwest version of that would be, it would be pretty easy for us to like, I could spend a day in like Olympia or Tacoma or Seattle or wherever. Like I don't live there, but I could definitely get my way around and it'll be a pretty easy skip back to Portland when I need to get back there. So yeah, sure. no problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see. Just distance wise. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's pretty convenient for Celine just to like take this little detour for a day and
0: then she can just go home the next yeah. day. It's not a big risk for her at that point in time. I mean, cause he doesn't well, still a necess- risk cuz he's still a stranger. He's still a weird guy. He doesn't he doesn't necess- he is a little weird, but he doesn't seem like a serial killer. He seems more like a vampire than a serial killer except that he's out <laughs> yeah. in the day. Like, th- but those- that's
1: the psychopath thing is that they know exactly what to say to get
0: people to do what they want them to do. Yeah, that's yeah, but I mean, did you get any of those vibes from him?
1: No, but like like while you were sleeping, this could also be a good <laughs> film noir thriller.
0: Sure. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, don't get off a train with somebody kids Um, someone will kill you before sunrise (laughs) we must find the vampire before sunset yeah Um, uh, it did make me more than anything this movie made me want to go ride a train Um, Robin and I went on our honeymoon back in uh, October soft brag Um, and we took a train from, um, Brest, uh, France down to, uh, And I, I wish we would have just done the train the entire time we ended up taking a car part of the way, but like, it's so nice and easy to ride on the train. You're just like, there's big seats. It goes really fast. It's really romantic. Like it's landscape you wouldn't ordinarily see. Yeah. Because yeah. it's
1: it's a train track, it's not just a highway.
0: Exactly. And and you nobody's doing anything. You don't like that's the best thing about the train. You can read, you can write, you can um like have good conversations that are just harder to do in the car because you have to pay attention. One person has to pay attention. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Hate cars. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Ah. This guy is the ultimate marriage of design and technology. Ooh,
0: marriage. Let's talk about some of the people they run into, okay? Because yeah, um so let's I in, in order. Let's do it yeah. in order. And and I want to get back to their relationship and the romance because this is a romance movie. This is why we're doing this podcast, but I kinda of wanna talk a little bit more about the movie first. The Germans. Yeah, so
1: f- the <laughs> German actors. The
0: German actors. Were they were they <laughs> German
1: or were they Austrian? Were they actual Viennese actors? Were they um, Germans? I think they I, were actually
0: Austrians. Oh, they must have been. Yeah, I don't know why I keep thinking this is set in Germany. I think just because everybody's speaking, um, they're they're like, I don't speak German. Um, yeah. But yeah, the German or the Austrian actors that they meet on the bridge, who they she like lies to, and she's like, we're engaged. Uh, <laughs> when they're like, what are you, what are you two doing in town? And the, the Austrians are just like, oh, you're American. Bet you don't speak Austrian. Uh, and one of them's <laughs> one of them's like uh what does he say oh, they do speak german they did say they said they spoke
1: german so i don't yeah but it's just show how american we are of we don't really know the native language i guess it would just be german
0: well austrian is language right is, is it? it i don't know i don't know Someone i'll cut this if not of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> um no but they uh he's like uh would be nice if uh, it was the other way around and you actually yeah. spoke german for once <laughs> and he's like what german. he's like nothing don't worry like, about
1: it it was a joke They were great. And that's why I thought so much of this movie is improvised. They seemed like
0: real people, didn't they?
1: Yeah. Everything just rolled off the cuff, just really natural, really real.
0: Um, Like these seemed like a couple of guys that were like maybe coders, like early mid 90s working on the Internet coders who were like, yeah, we're just in a local play that our friend is doing. Yeah, the way
1: I saw it is I was convinced that what they did was they just went around town, like Richard Linklater and his film crew, and they ran into people and they're like, do you want to be in a movie? Like, yeah,
0: it really seemed these like were
1: that. what these guys were actually up to. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to be in a play. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. let's talk about that. We'll make the scene about that.
0: Well, the the uh, director of photography, too, he he's been um, Linklater's director of photography for everything uh but he he also mainly does documentary when he's not working with link later and oh, cool. so i wonder if that like lent anything to this documentary style but like it's mainly in the dialogue and the acting right yeah yeah uh so those
1: actors those amateur actors are perfect um really deadpan just really great
0: yeah and and they're like doing a play about a cow who's like a holy cow that somebody's looking for it's stupid and they're like come see our play and the, our, our two main characters do that thing that everybody does when somebody says come see our play they're like yeah sure maybe uh, we'll try to make sure. it we'll, yeah let's we'll try yeah um and they slowly start backing away okay thanks yeah thanks for everything yeah. bye <laughs> yeah um and i like at the end of the movie how uh in the morning before they go to the train station the next day they're like hey guess what what we didn't go to those guys play play yeah the
1: cow yeah yeah we didn't oh no yeah and that's like all of these characters these side characters do make up because i feel like even if we say we're not we don't see ourselves doing this we've still done this in a way we've done a version of this where we're off gallivanting and we run into people and we have these
0: encounters with people and i don't gallivant don't put that on me way back
1: in days of old there was a legend told about a hero known as I I gallivant i gallivant all the time it's fine you gallivant but you <laughs> run into these people and you always you kind of have that memory of like um you know like if i'm i bet you a hundred dollars right now that you've gone on a trip to seattle with a maybe maybe not just one girl but some girls and you had some
0: (laughs) wait but just (laughs) multiple girls at the same time No, it's not
1: no but like you've been with a group of people in a city like Uh. you went off to seattle or something to just kind of like hang out for the weekend and you Uh kind of like just kind of like went around town and ran into people and had encounters like this tell me you did that oh
0: yeah Uh, and but um yeah lots of cities but yeah, wait, what do you mean? Like just go hang out with a friend and then just like run into random people and talk to them and like walked yeah, around the kinda, city a little more.
1: You just kind of let the day take wherever it's going to take you. You don't have no plans. You just know that you're going to go to the city. And you're just going to hang out.
0: Yeah. Done that a lot.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I what's, think that's what's the, your favorite that's the part city? we relate to.
0: What's what's the what's your favorite galavant? city you've done that in? Yeah.
1: Well, I haven't gotten around much. You're just proven how boring I am. It would no, have been you've, like you've gallivanted. Like, in college, when I was home for the summer, I would just go uh, go over to Seattle. What about my hometown was boring.
0: What about L.A.? Did you ever gallivant when you went down to L.A.?
1: No. How much, no, much singing go did to you LA do for, for business trips?
0: <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, okay, so they talk to the Germans. Um, they don't like they. Um, after that, they go to on the streetcar um, where they just talk to each other for a while. Then they go to the record shop. Um, and then they kiss on the Ferris wheel. They have their first kiss up there. Good kiss. Good setting. Good, good kiss. Great light. Um, yeah. And you you think it's gonna be him like smoothing his way to her, but then he chickens out and gets a little nervous. And she's like, "Hey, you want to kiss me?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And they, I think this movie is a lot about the politics of how how does one person give another person confidence? It's yeah. by taking that first step. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. um,
1: I don't know, I was reading the room and it's like, hey, Ethan Hawke, she's giving you the signal, so mm-hmm. you can keep going. Like,
0: <laughs> keep going. Like, what's wrong? But this movie gets that moment. Like, uh, I, I'm remembering back to high school or college where you are not necessarily on a first date, but you're hanging out with someone and the hand is sitting on the leg somewhere and Mm -hmm. the other person's hand is sitting on their leg or just next to their leg somewhere. And you're like, does that hand want to touch my hand? Mm -hmm. And you're like, is this that moment? And you look at that hand and then that person looks to you. And so you're like, I'm not going to look at that hand anymore. And it, this movie just got that so well. Like I felt, I felt, Like I wanted to go back. Hey, honey, I love you. I'm glad we're married. Um, Robin's right over there. Fred. But I, I, I wanted that a little bit. (laughs) I, I want to see
1: like, this is definitely the college version of those feelings, but I also want to see, and and this is so naive and innocent of me to like request this, but I want to see the high school slash junior high version of like the ecstasy of having your arm around a girl's shoulder, even of like, Oh my God, it's happening. Like, we are sitting on this couch, and my arm is around her, and she wants to be here with me. Go watch she, like
0: any episode of Wonder Years.
1: <laughs> I guess so, but it doesn't. It's not you. You know what I mean? Where like that's so electric that feeling when it first that first that first yeah. Of, um, that's what I'm attraction. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and she's where she's the one chemistry here.
0: She's the one that puts her arm around him. Yeah. Okay, so after the kiss on the Ferris wheel, they at the gypsy.
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Um, which I, I realize I keep using the word gypsy, and that's um, kind of... Uh, well, say palm reader and just... Palm reader, yeah. perfectly it's, clear. Palm reader. Hold on. I'm going to record this and then put it over every single copy of me saying gypsy. Palm reader. <laughs> Okay. So the palm reader walks up to them at the cafe and you can, you can tell immediately that, um, Jesse does not want any of this.
1: Also a very relatable moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can, (laughs) I can definitely tell like out of you and Sarah, even, even though she's introverted as well, you're the one who does not want to be put in this situation.
1: Yeah, it's like, don't, no, don't make eye contact because then they're going to come over. They're coming over. Ugh, I don't want to do it. Hi, hello. <laughs> How many okay. times were you
0: watching this movie and you were just like, don't touch their hand. Wait, you're going to have to wash that hand no. right after
1: this. Oh Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> but she reads Celine's hand and does does a passably good job at like seeing where this person is. Oh, okay, here's my question to you. Did she read her, her palm?
1: Like, are we actually getting a real fortune telling? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with Jesse on this one. Okay. Um, she's just reading the room. She's just, she's just, she's an em- empathetic person and she's just yeah. getting it. Yeah.
0: Um, um, but you wouldn't say it out loud.
1: I see what he was trying to do
0: uh-huh like
1: he was trying to make the point
0: here he comes your gen it's, x it's coming out
1: well he did it so poorly
0: though <laughs> so how would you well, have he handled the situation here he i'm needs, julie <laughs> i'm julie duffy um gosh wasn't that nice she was that was amazing wasn't it no moron that's what i would say no i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say like no, no let's let's role play well, this
1: i i can't i can't put it into that kind of vernacular because i don't know exactly the wording but let me tell you theoretically what went wrong <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> and this he wasn't considering her ex- he wasn't considering celine's experience of that moment he was only thinking of his experience in the moment and he wasn't taking her um attitude seriously and that was just so like nails on a chalkboard from is like dude stop stop read the room this is not what she wants to hear right now
0: yeah but she really does take it in stride doesn't she she does and that's
1: that's what i think this movie is also communicating is this is what their flaws would be but this is how they actually might be able to work through each other's flaws and reform Mm -hmm. each other and that's why they actually would be kind of a beautiful couple together if they could have stayed together
0: but the the movie asks, or begs the question, is it only because they know that they have this one day? Um. Because if, if they were with each other for longer, and you, because you do that thing in a relationship where you extrapolate, you see that this person is saying this thing, and they're like, oh, are they going to be like this their entire lives? I don't know if I can be with somebody like that. But since that was lifted from them, maybe she was able to just not take it as as personally as she would otherwise.
1: Yeah. Either way, I think we can definitely say that she is far more tolerant of his bullshit than she needs to be. There's something way more admirable about her because of it.
0: Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't say that she is more admirable than him just because of that, but it is one of her best qualities in this movie. Yeah. Because he is a... He doesn't know how to read the room. And we see that in the next scene when they're in the church. Um, and he's like, I'm going to tell you this story right now about how my buddy was an asshole to a, a guy begging for money. <laughs> Can change, Absolutely. Um, could you spare
1: some? Yes, I could. Will you? How come? Because I believe you will buy booze with it. That's mean.
0: Yeah. It is. It, it is. Was. Yeah. <laughs> and he just... Jesse as a character is very much like... Um, Steven, I would say from uh, 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 portrait of an artist.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, we need to talk about that. Oh this yeah. Very because it's an homage to James Joyce.
0: It is. It's done on June 16th. July. On July. Yeah. Bloomsday. And then it's also, his name is James. Yeah. And so this movie was very much just going about Vienna instead of Dublin. Uh, but it was, it was very Ulysses-esque. Yeah. Uh,
1: what was the other point we were making just a second ago before that?
0: Well, he, he just doesn't know how to read the room.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that story he tells in the church, I would have made that mistake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where you think it's a cool story and then you tell it and you're like, oh, that was that dumb. Why up. did I try to sound cool like that? Yeah. And I think he's, I think just based on how they started their relationship off on the train where she's like, oh yeah, you know, I go to Sorbonne. I, you know, read this. I'm, I live in Paris. Um, I speak multiple languages. I think he just is very flat-footed, and so a lot of the movie, he's trying to be cool, kind of in that way. And I, I yeah. think, as, especially after you've just been through a breakup, you, I at least when I've been through a breakup, um, I feel like I, like, what if I do something what if, what if I've been doing something wrong this whole time, and I just don't know it, and so you try to overcompensate sometimes by like trying to be better than you actually are and drop all your cool stories. And then you're just like, oh, I'm acting like an idiot right now. Yeah. And so I, I felt that that might have been partly written into his character. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think there's very much that side of his style of flirting. Um, on the one hand is very genuine, but on the other hand is very trying. There's definitely putting an effort into it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't write him off as a person. It just means that like they're, they're stuffing six dates into a day. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes you're going to hit some awkward moments in somebody's personality. Yeah. Um, very authentic. Yeah. Very authentic. Oh, um, can you tell me if there was a, a Ferris Bueller scene in this movie? Do 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 do. This is that time in the show where we find another movie in our movie. da.
1: You want me to find a Ferris Bueller moment. Mm-hmm. Can I get a hint?
0: Mm-hmm. It has to do with Celine using her art degree to be like one of the characters in uh, Ferris Bueller's.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uncle, I don't know. Okay, what?
0: so um, before they go to the church, actually, uh, they're walking down the street, and they stop and look at a couple posters on the wall, and they're George Sherat um, yeah. and it's, it's, he's a pointillist who is, um, also in Ferris Bueller when they go through the, uh, museum of modern art in Chicago. And, um, that's the same artist. That's the same artist that, um, uh, Cameron you. stares at. Oh, no, it I is. I believe you. I, I man. Okay. But, hey, um, do you want to, do you want to press pause and look this up?
1: No. What we'll do is you can look it up later and I'm going to say pause and what I'm now going to be saying is, you'll have either corrected me, or uh-huh. I will have corrected you in okay. the previous passage. So we'll just see. Oh, wait, Time can I tell?
0: Can I get um, a sound bite for if you're wrong, and a sound bite for if you're right?
1: Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, oh, uh. Dr-
0: Rats, I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, so Ryan was wrong. And um, <laughs> and so, but she's like, I just stared at it for hours.
1: You're not saying that's an actual Ferris Bueller reference.
0: No, I'm not saying it's an actual Ferris Bueller's reference. Okay. No, but, but, well, you know, I, it could be um, because it's the same painter and she said that she just stared at it for hours in a museum and that's exactly what Cameron does. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, mean, I didn't, I didn't think it was in the moment, but you know, perhaps, Fair enough. um, let's get to the waterfront. Cause it's probably my favorite scene in the movie with the poet. Mm-hmm. Why? I think that poet is living his best life. And most of this movie seemed like it was in Vienna. Um, but this is the only moment that felt like it could have possibly been in Austin which is where Richard Linklater is from. And if you see Slacker, there's a lot of moments like this where you see like some person hanging out next to a river and, uh, Oh, they're They're there. They just happen to be a poet living here. And it felt the most Richard Linklater of anything in this movie. And in a way that I really liked, I liked his poem. I liked that. Um, it was just Jess, Jesse trying to prove that he's like, He's like, I, it was, it's right after the moment with the, the palm reader and her kind of admonishing him for being such a cynic. And then they get to this point and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, totally. It's a trade. It's much more capitalistic um, where he's like, I can get on board with this. If he gives us a poem, we can give him money. And then he like ruins it right afterwards by being, he's like, he has to get it out. He has to be like. That's wonderful. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know he probably didn't just write that I mean you know he wrote it but he probably just plugs that word in you know whatever milkshake you know. what do you mean nothing I loved it it was great
1: <laughs> yeah but give him credit like he's like I'm doing it again I'm gonna stop let's just let's move yeah. on <laughs> he moved,
0: but, but he, he totally kind of, figured it out you can see this character change a little bit in that moment yeah. so I really liked that whole sequence and actually let's uh, play a little bit of that poem because it's it it kind of um, catalogs the journey that they are on, in a way, Um, Mm -hmm. because it talks about like, um, you know, two sticks going down a river together. And um, here, I'll just let the poem say it. Okay. Daydream delusion. Limousine eyelash. Oh, baby, with your pretty face. Drop a tear, in my wine glass. Look at those big eyes. See what you mean to me. Sweet cakes and milkshakes. I am a delusion angel. I'm a fantasy parade. I want you to know what I think. Don't want you to guess anymore. You have no idea where I came from? You have no idea where we're going? Lodged in life, like branches in the river, flowing downstream, caught in the current, I carry you. You'll carry me. That's how it could be. Don't you know me? Don't you know me by now? See what mm. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, wh- what's next, Ryan?
1: Well, okay. You really think that poet is living his best life? Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being a Jesse about this.
0: Um, <laughs> I think he he's smoking a drag hanging out by the danube writing poetry in a notebook i don't think he's as poor as we think he is in the movie i think he's chilling and if he makes a couple bucks off of writing somebody a poem great
1: okay i'm actually with jesse <laughs> on this one i think he's just i think he's full of it
0: <laughs> nah i like him I, I like him a lot um i even if he is full of it i like his i like his scam. <laughs> Well, maybe Plus I he, don't like what he 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 reads a poem well. That was like the best quality of him. I'd his, rather
1: listen him speak other poetry than his poetry, only because I don't trust autodidact poetry. Maybe that's because maybe that's betraying what kind of writer I am. That it's like you can't mm. write a
0: poem that fast. Take your time. Slow down. I don't know. He he rhymed. Um, like the only thing that rhymes. Uh, maybe i'm misremembering this but he rhymes like um cakes with milkshakes um oh yeah something like that and and i was like you know what piecing together a poem that quick is hard but it was also there were parts of it that were slight slapdash and i was like that's that's possible yeah. I'm, I'm on the poet side with this one i'm 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 more of a Celine in this scene
1: yeah i'm trying to think of my own rules like I get bugged by street poets who have their typewriters out and will say, uh, give me five dollars bo- $5 and I'll write a poem for you. I just kind of go, Ugh. but if I pass by street musicians, especially if I pass by street drummers, I'm like, yes, yes,
0: keep doing it. This is the dream. Well, see, here's the difference is he's much more like that that street drummer because he's like, hey, I'll write you a poem. If you like it, you can pay me for it. Uh, and whereas a a street poet who like give me five dollars and then i'll give you a poem it's much less musical right
1: and i i just don't like that fake hipsterism of just like i've got a nice little like i mean you and i both own typewriters it's like i can't really complain about this but it seems more decorative than actual utilitarian of like i don't I don't know you, man. I don't know how good a poet you're actually going to give me. If I give you $5 right now, I know, which is yeah, why no, I agree with you. I agree yeah, with you. That yeah. That he's, 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 better trade-off. than that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like saying, no, no, we'll make it fair. You pay me what you think you should pay me,
0: <laughs> which they end up giving, like Jess gives him, uh, and we keep calling him Jess, which is making me think you don't like him even more because of Gilmore girls. Um, yeah, right. but he gives him like, you know, fr- they keep saying shillings. Were they on shillings in Austria? Sure, I don't know. Se- seems like we a very should travel more. I did travel. Yeah. I just didn't get all the way over there. Um, yeah. I'm a world traveler. You know me. I- I've been everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um, but Jess gives gives him some money, and then Celine's like, mm, "I'm gonna give him more." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and then they go to the club um, with the bartender. No, they go to the club uh, where they play pinball. Pinball.
1: That right? must have been a hard scene to film, to get do all that dialogue and play pinball. And keep switching tell, back and forth. Yeah, and you could tell some of the takes that Ethan Hawke's not very good at it.
0: <laughs> not very good at what? Pinball. Pinball? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just... Well, it, I, that's kind of one of those hard things to do because pinball is... I, I'm not going to say it's a tough game, but you have to be paying attention And if you're acting and trying to remember your dialogue and playing pinball, you're not going to be very good. I don't think she was very good either, but we don't get a lot of her over the shoulders.
1: Her watching her play was so much more fun and just added to that. (laughs) um, Like her. She's like,
0: mad. she got so mad.
1: Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is I love her. Like that's it took until then for me to really fall for her. It wasn't until the pinball that I was actually in love with her.
0: When were you in love with uh, Ethan Hawke or did you never get there in this movie?
1: I fell in love with Ethan Hawke after like his first story as a four-year-old. I was mm, in. Mm, okay. I was in. I wanted more.
0: For me, I think um I probably I probably fell in love with her right about the time of the poet because I was like I was like she's she'd be a patron of the arts and I like this. <laughs> no she could she could be you. my sugar mama yeah. um no but that, that, that bar is pretty cool it, it actually we've been watching a lot of buffy and it reminded me of the bronze which is kind of like the cafe slash bar they go there um yeah. it, it looks like what a 90s german vampire bar would look like right it's got like that dark like slightly industrial feel a lot of deep music going on Uh, The guy that was playing the music when they first stepped in, there was kind of a Tracy Chapman vibe about him where I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be a woman singing, but it's like this guy that's like super shaggy, grungy. Um, Yeah. yeah. But
1: again, it goes back to that, um, like, uh, nostalgic, like, oh, yeah, I've had days where I would also stumble into a a coffee shop or something and live music was going on and we just kind of hung out and watched this musician and I've forgotten about the musician, but I have the memory.
0: Well, I think this movie is going to be like by the time we get to the end of it, that's going to be one of the points of this movie is you don't you don't have everything about that person. You just have that memory of them.
1: Yeah. And I think this recall of what we have of like, OK, so what do they do? They went OK, they got off the train, they went on the streetcar, they met these Germans, they yeah, there's like this palm reader like that's how we remember these days um, yeah. in our lives where mm-hmm. it's like. When I went to Seattle, it's like, yeah, we got off. We went to Paseo. We got a sandwich. We went to the Troll. Um, we took pictures at the Troll. Like I remember these things that happened. Yeah, 10 that years we,
0: ago. we we walked to Ballard, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that's that's what this movie does. That is kind of the bittersweetness of a bittersweet romance, where we know it's not going to last just like these memories aren't necessarily going to last concretely in our minds, but we'll always have them. We'll always have a small piece of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. At this point in the movie, something really interesting happens. You lose track of what time it is. Yes. And the movie really messes with your head um, because uh, they go to dinner like four times. (laughs) They go to like, um, they go to the boat. They have a meal on the boat. Well, they hold on. To, let's, let's
0: do them in order. They do the cafe with the palm reader. Yep. Okay. Then they go to the bar and they get beer and play pinball.
1: Yep. They go to a, like a nice restaurant and have the phone right. conversation. Yep. Um, they go to the boat.
0: That, that could have um, been dessert.
1: Yeah. And then they get wine. Um, but they go to... it's It feels like dinner scene, dinner scene, dinner scene, dinner scene. And what it creates which is something that really moves me is that um now we're suddenly not in a real day we're in actually a dream and this is just like this is also like maybe we're looking at a like messed up memory of like yeah we went to dinner at this this place no but we also went on this boat what were we doing on the boat i guess we're having dinner then too and it just makes this Hmm. like weird trippy um muddle of the night which makes it more mythical
0: (laughs) (laughs) this
1: is my psycholinic stuff but it makes it more of something that is not lodged this is sounds woo -woo of me i don't mean to sound woo woo but it's something that's more lodged within your heart than in your memory bank because there's so much unreality happening because the night seems to have this um, supernatural length to it that it's not we're not watching six hours take place we're watching like 20 hours take place or like not it's not even counted as real it's unreal
0: I would say I would say one of the nights that I have that's most like this was um, I I didn't have a hotel to stay in once in London back when I was uh, 21 I think And so what I was going to do was just stay up all night until uh, my train left the next morning rather than spend money on a hotel, right? And so I went from bar to bar. Well, I started in museums because they were free and then like went from cafe to bar to monument to walking around to like striking up conversations with people. And it very much felt like this where I... I couldn't tell you for the most part what I talked about in most of those places, uh, which is what is different from this movie, but I, I I can remember each of them like a still photograph in my mind and, And, but more in my heart.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like a Joseph Campbell monomyth adventure where you're going from one opportunity to another. And when you enter this club, there's so much, um, possibility and potential, than just going home and going to bed that you're now in this new world. Every place you go, each setting brings with it new, um, newness. And, uh, yeah, it just, it really spoke to me, spoke to my heart.
0: Nice. Um, yeah. And okay. You know how we, uh, we gave best ensemble to Notting Hill a long time ago. Um, this movie I want to give an award to, and I don't know what it is yet, but let's think about it by the end.
1: Well, is it best setting?
0: no i mean vienna, this is better than rome
1: like this is better than roman holidays use of setting
0: it oh you mean best use of setting yeah maybe
1: i <sighs> or setting as character like vienna is this like romantic platform that oh that was my other question could they have done this if it was in like a midwest town in america where there's not nearly as much possibility
0: it has to be big I think it has to. There has to be room to explore here. Yeah. Um, I I think if if you are trapped in a small space, um, that makes you feel trapped in this situation in which you put yourself in. But when the city is brimming with possibilities, so are the two of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the mythical side. That's that's what I mean. Is that when you have a city that's expansive like Vienna or. Um, if it was us in the Pacific Northwest, a city like Seattle, um, where there is a lot of possibility and opportunity, um, what does that do for our relationship? And it can take a, a, a relationship or it can take the self in all these wild new directions that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do if you were just stuck in your apartment and you had nowhere else to go. You don't have those experiences to push you or make you grow.
0: Yeah, this. I don't know if uh, you felt like this at all, but uh, watching this movie, especially with how limited our exploration has been these days since we've all been in isolation, I all I wanted to do was go walk as far as I could. Yeah. Yeah. And but it I, did
1: make me count my blessings that at least we do live in Portland and we've had experiences in Portland. If I was stuck in my hometown this whole time and I, never, to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I never even <laughs> got to go to Spokane, even Spokane has opportunity and things to do. Um, you probably don't feel that way cause that's your hometown.
0: I mean, I mean, it has more than some, I guess, but, um, uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to London with you at some point in time or one of the bigger cities and we'll do a walk around. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about monkeys and sex before we forget.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was that about?
0: I don't remember. <laughs> I just, in, in my notes, it just says monkeys and sex.
1: Yeah. It was a story that he was bringing up. And I think it was one of those same kind of things like, did I bring up monkeys and sex? What was Mm I thinking?
0: I mean, there's these breeds of monkeys, right? And all they do is have sex, like, all the time, you know? And uh, they turn out to be, like, the least violent, the most peaceful, the most happy, you know? So, I mean, maybe fooling around's not so bad. Are you talking about monkeys? So, basically, the movie, um, like, oh... Actually, one of my favorite shots of any movie I've seen recently is them sitting in the alley on top of, there's like an old rope coil, like those wooden ones, Um, and they sit there and they just kind of have a conversation after the belly dancer, and they're kind of talking about the difference between men and women, and then they stop talking about it, and they just uh, kind of talk about, like, are they going to see each other um, again, or they, they don't really bring that up, they... I forget what they talk about, but it was just such a beautiful shot. And Mm -hmm. I feel like Linklater and the director of photography, whose name is um, escaping me right now, did just such a good job at capturing a lack of grandeur in this place. Every every setting they were in, even if it was on top of a building, felt intimate.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad it's these people who made this movie. That's Richard Linklater and Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, because I was thinking like this movie... Could not exist if it was Nora Ephron, Tom Hanks, and Meg Ryan. It would Ugh, suck. No. Oh, it, it would suck so bad. It would be horrendous. It would be terrible. <laughs> Hold
0: on. Just in case this is the only one those people listen to, we have praised you in other podcasts. It's just. We love Tom Hanks. We love this, Meg Ryan. We this love is, all
1: those collaborations.
0: This is just. It needed to be. What is it? Lo-fi isn't the word I'm looking for, but it needed less star power. It needed, it needed like a Gen X type feeling. And it it just pulled it off.
1: If there was like a studio version of this with movie stars, it would have been more like a Roman holiday. There would have been a conceit to it. There would have been more than just come spend the day with me. It would have been come spend the day with me because I'm a plot point and uh-huh. there's a like catalyst behind why we're doing this that's other than our connection and somebody would have be been an,
0: escaping something there's going to or... be an
1: ex-boyfriend or there's going to be something or you're a famous something or like something's going to come up that's going to drive the plot along but say like, this is like nope the only plot is they have a connection and they're going to fall through on it
0: yeah and and it's it's just a leap of faith is all it is Um and for, for two people who aren't like they don't really get into religion, do they? They get into really. a lot of things, not religion.
1: They get into some spiritual stuff.
0: Yeah. The phone call in the restaurant um, when they start talking about their insecurities a little bit um, about the other person. It's, just, it's one of the more romantic comedy moments in this movie where yeah. they they both play each other's friends um, and yeah. they call each other on their fingers. Um, yeah. And that was really cute. I like that well, a lot.
1: And this movie is almost like a concept car for all writers of like, Hey, if you ever need an idea for writing dialogue, here's like a thousand good ideas.
0: Of yeah. like, Or even um, just like prompts to get people into it.
1: Yeah. Like it works when you do it like this, you know, why does it, why does this phone call scene work? What is it? What about it is like interesting. What about it is getting the story across. What about it is getting like character across. And um, you can't have a, th- you can't have just all those scenes in your Tom Hanks movie, but you can have one of those scenes in your Tom Hanks movie and it's going to be great.
0: Mm -hmm. So this is the second boat restaurant that we've seen or boat bar. And I think they're more popular in Europe because in, we saw one in Roman holiday where there's that big fight on the bar boat dance party. And then um, they also have their conversation in this movie about how they're not going to see each other afterwards. They're going to be mature and, this is going to be their one night. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, uh, this, this movie's conversations, like the, uh, the movie is a conversation for the most part, but in, in so far as there's so much dialogue, you really get the, the chance to test all of the possibilities of what the two of them could or could not do. And you get to, you get to watch them um, have peaks and valleys in their, their like hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're talking to each other because like that that scene like they're like oh we could we could do this and we could do this and then you see the hope kind of die on one of them and they're like let's be realistic but mm-hmm. then that hope comes back when they're starting to have romantic feelings about them i felt like i was on a roller coaster and i think that's what keeps this movie exciting is that there there is always possibility within the conversation that they're having yeah yeah
1: just beautiful
0: um, the bar, the bartender. Can I ask you about the if you were ever that bartender?
1: I would never do that. Only. because have given I didn't free want to get in trouble.
0: Okay, but you've given. I was thinking a lot about this because Ryan is much less of a rule breaker than I am. Yeah. You've given. You have given people a free drink though. Uh,
1: I don't know if I have
0: ever fully free. Like fully free. Like like it was their birthday and you didn't just give them a drink.
1: No, I was never authorized to do so.
0: Oh, okay. I'd sooner
1: I'd sooner give you a free um um a free pizza. <laughs> like I'd I go to the kitchen and say, "Hey, I need a I need you to fire a a pizza for me or a um, a Spanish tortilla for me." I would sooner do that. I have more authority to do that than to get a free drink.
0: Oh, see, I was I, I- guess
1: I could No, I guess I'll say this. As a server, I was able to get my bartenders to get me a drink, and I wouldn't put it in, but I would never, if I was running the bar that night, I would never have done the drink and not do some kind of charge for it. Maybe I don't upcharge, but no. (laughs) If I had, but if I owned my own bar, I would do that. Um, Okay, that's
0: fair. Um, At Saucebox, it was... Not necessarily. That was the bar I worked at. Um, it wasn't necessarily encouraged, but it was one of those things. Like, if you need to give somebody a free drink, give somebody a free drink. And so, I mean, just in case you're the the scene in the movie is um, they go in she into a bar. Celine steals a couple of wine glasses, and he asks the they don't have any money apparently, and so he asks the bartender for uh, a free bottle of wine and um he's like i'll send you money then the bartender gives him the bottle of wine and he never gets the address and he's just like all right thanks and he's like have a good night and i'm just like this is this is a big metaphor for the two of them being like we'll see each other again i guess we won't (laughs) Uh, maybe yeah you notice when i really like that yeah i like that scene a lot um anything else You were saying something about Julie Delpy? Yeah, she was laying down right before they have sex and um, she had her arm behind her head and she looked a lot like the cover of Boyhead. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, 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 it was one of the only shots that I saw in this movie that started me off on like a, ooh, what's the lookbook of a Linklater film? Yeah. Yeah. Good
1: catch. Very good catch.
0: Thank you. I really liked that the harpsichord uh, towards the end of the movie was diegetic because it was a really depressing sounding uh, harpsichord. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's getting really heavy handed for this movie. Oh, it's diegetic. All right. That's nice.
1: Yeah. Also a good memory moment.
0: Yeah. Of like, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Then we walked by and
0: and there was this guy playing, playing a piano or a harpsichord or something. It's really cool. Um.
1: Uh, so, yeah. Tell me, tell me who you'd
0: fall in love with. <laughs> that was like the, <laughs> ask me again and ask me nicer. <laughs> <laughs> who would i fall in love with um i would i mean there's not a lot of people to fall in love with in this movie um we have our two main characters
1: i think you'd fall in love with the poet on the river
0: (sighs) no well i mean here's i i thought about that actually when i was watching this movie and one of us would have to work (laughs) <laughs> yeah no um for me it's julia delphi uh it's celine um because she is the romantic out of the two of them and i tend to fall in love with romantics and it, even she's got a little bit of a um a th- than, thanatos um obsession but i i like the way she is kind she is oh yeah she is um uh she's great i i like her character there's Oh, hold on. Hold on. Can you come open the window? This one? This one. We're clapping for all of the doctors and nurses.
1: (laughs) I was wondering what that is. Yeah, they don't do that in Beaverton. (laughs)
0: We're not going to be able to record till they're done. That's <laughs> such a
1: rhythmic clank, clank, clank.
0: So yeah, I would fall in love with um, Julie Celine. Del Celine. She's she is beautiful. I like her style. Um, she's a bit pretentious, but she's also um, very politic and nice and um, generous. And I would fall in love with all aspects of her. All um,
1: aspects. Oh. <laughs> uh I would have chosen Jesse, except he's so cynical that I have I can't. Is it I the can't, I can't
0: I can't. Is it the German actors? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> well then it's Celine. First Jesse, then Celine. But Jesse gets ex nade because of his um horrific cynical attitude. So I he does
0: I, I, I feel like Jesse changes over the course of the movie a little bit
1: i guess so but it's not like he's still gonna have that attitude yeah he's he's reformed but not perfectly so
0: no because people take time to change (laughs) right i know um i would say uh that that moment at the end of the movie before they Uh, go back to the train where they're just sitting um on the statue and she's sleeping in his lap and he starts reading poetry i i saw a glimmer of the the person that he could be with her i have this uh Recording of Dylan Thomas, reading a W. H. Auden poem. He's got a great voice. He just, it's like uh, all the clocks in the city began to whir and chime. Oh, let not time deceive you. You cannot conquer time. In headaches sin, and in worry, vaguely life leaks away. Time will have his fancy tomorrow or today. <laughs> Something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he would shed a lot of that cynicism, but I think that's always gonna be a part of who he is, and he'll always be battling that. He'll always be trying to not like I think we got to see the worst version of himself and I think he gets that that's the worst version of himself and he doesn't want to be that guy. Yeah. And I think he backslides into that, especially, you're right, because he's getting over a breakup and he's it's a really weird place for him to be um, at that given moment when he meets her. And so he's having to push down that urge to just give up and be defeated and be cynical. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do find that admirable. But I think... When you're with someone and you're choosing to be with someone, you're looking at their worst possible self and saying, I want to be with that person, um, which takes a lot of courage. And I think there's some people that you can totally go for it and do it, and there's other people that it's just like, I can't. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't be with that person.
0: Yeah. That got real. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you you're gonna give this movie a. We talked about it before. A, an award for best best use of setting.
1: Yeah, um, that's my award.
0: That's good. I I am I like that award, but I'm going to give it a um, best kiss award, because their kiss. At, whoa whoa whoa! Yeah,
1: which kiss?
0: The um the very last kiss. It's the very last kiss. Right before she's gonna get on the train and um they they already said goodbye and they said they weren't gonna say goodbye again, but then they have sex and spend the rest of the night together and then they say goodbye at the train and it's just this desperate, beautiful, like Ah it's a great kiss. It's got so much emotion packed to it, and um yeah, best kiss out of all the movies we've seen so far.
1: And In- The emotion of that scene feels a lot like the emotion of the goodbye at the end of Roman Holiday. Mm, mm -hmm. Even though
0: that one doesn't end with like connection, it ends with separation. Well, in in the same way, I guess. They both separate.
1: And it's the same kind of like in Roman Holiday, we have the 1950s super duper restrained version of like, they can't touch each other. There's no physicality to it, but you feel this like Mm. mm, this connection (laughs) between them. And then you get this 90s version where they get to kiss. They get to have that that moment. And it's also very satisfying. It, and they're two two sides of a coin, the same coin. It is.
0: It's very much like if if this genre gives us nothing else, it gives us a really good ending, generally speaking. And yeah, I, the only thing I have left to talk about that we really didn't get into is how does this romance compare to some of the other romances that we've seen?
1: I think this is the most genuine romance. Yeah, me too. Um, Next to, uh, let's see, Roman Holiday. It's 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 a romance, but it's it is still stuck in that 1950s way of getting at it. Um, And I feel like Notting Hill has more reality to it than um, a Roman Holiday does. But agreed. The most, this Before Sunrise has the most reality and the most realness, really realness to um, relationship.
0: In Sense and Sensibility, I would say is um, it has a very quiet romance to it, but that one to me has a very true romance as well.
1: Yeah, but also very literate. I mean, that's cheating to call it something literate, but um, it's very uh, ornate. It's very like Sense and Sensibility is very planned out in terms of what we're seeing, and I feel like there's something more chemical in Sense and Sen- or in uh, Before Sunrise. There's something more organic and chemical to their chemistry
0: (laughs) okay so yeah that's fair yeah but Um, you know what i'm getting at i do
1: but you're getting so much more um
0: uh, i i know you 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 want imperfection
1: imperfection it's before sunrise it's
0: much more about well, I, I just I just think it's a difference in time period because everything has to be so formal in a setting like Sense and Sensibility. Whereas in this movie, when it's set in the 90s with a couple of people traveling through Europe on train, like it's going yeah. to be much more tactile and sensual. And um, I, I hate to use the word there's raw. No but yeah, yeah. There,
1: yeah, there's no restraint. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point of uh, a Jane Austen romance is there's so much they're not allowed to say.
0: Right. Right. And, and that's, and, the, that's the obstacle. And when they are allowed, it's a relief. Um, it's almost orgasmic when people are allowed to say what they want to say in that movie. Um, yeah. Whereas in a movie like this, I love you body and soul. It's like oh. <laughs> uh, But, but in this movie, they're always basically saying how they feel. Um, yeah. And and it's, it's, I
1: think that's the thing is that Jesse could learn some lessons from a Hugh Grant or from some other like Jane Austen uh, hero where it's like, maybe you should shut up once in a while. Maybe you don't say that. <laughs>
0: like, um, yeah, because, well, I mean, she actually does that at one point in time. He's he's talking about the difference, the quote unquote difference between men and women. And she's like, uh, let's maybe not, we should maybe start. we should just yeah. not talk about this right now. People have been talking about it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, so I really liked those two characters put next to each other as well because they were similar enough to have as m- many conversations as they did and fall in love, but they were also disparate enough that um there was also bits of conflict in their philosophies, which was um entertaining to me.
1: Yeah, but I also want to like put this in our rankings of like um high, middle, low right. rom coms. Yep it's, it's way, in the high it's way in the high section. Yeah, it's And so that makes it harder to come back to a lot. And it's harder as a comfort food. It's more of a, like, this is a very nutritious dinner and it's very good, but I can't do this every night.
0: No, this is something I should watch every maybe three years to remind myself not to get too old.
1: Yeah. But I can't throw it on the way I throw on Notting Hill and just like, I'm going to, like, like you and I, when we were painting my son's room, we just threw on Nutting Hill. Just like, because it's a good movie to pay attention to, but it's also a good movie to just have on in the background. And, and you just can like have it running.
0: He was the foreman and he told us we had to put it on too. So yeah, yeah.
1: put on you Nutting know. <laughs> Hill. Um, like while you were sleeping, I was having a rough day the other day and I just threw on while you were sleeping. I wasn't paying attention. I was like playing my Switch pretty much the whole time and eating dinner, but it was there. It was on there. It was comforting me. Wow, you are a multitasker, aren't you? Yeah, but you can't do that with Before Sunrise. No. There's too much... just tucking on all the time it
0: asks you to pay attention to it it's like um remember how when they were walking along in this movie and at one point in time he um like he turns around to look at something else and she thinks he's looking at a girl and he's like she's like are you looking at a girl and he's like no and it was really illustrative for me of like if you're spending all of this time with one person you're going to really be paying attention to what the other person is doing the whole time. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And um, it, it it's the movie is kind of the same way where it's like these two people don't get respites from each other and the audience cannot watch this movie and just be like, pop in and be like, Oh yeah, this part it's, it's much more like the experience of growing in love with each other. Like you can't mm-hmm. be, you can't be absent for that.
1: Yeah. Hold on. I'm cutting. Am I cutting?
0: No, because we gotta pick next week's episode. Oh, actually, um, we know what we're gonna do next week. What? We're gonna do "Imagine Me and You." Are we? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have our first guest on.
1: Okay. We're gonna get
0: our guest on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's do it. Um, is that okay, Fred? <laughs> Don't sound too excited. I'll do it. Robin's trying to write. Okay, Um, yeah, so next week uh, we're going to do Imagine Me and You with our first guest, Robin Veda. You got it. Ryan, will we ever see each other again? (laughs) Hell no.